God himself dwells in me. At the moment I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I am now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And God empowers me. It's Christ in me. I am the temple. And, and when you really understand the truth of that statement, that my body is now the temple of God, it should change what you do with your body. Okay, and we could, we could spend a long time on that. But I said one, one summary statement, all right? So number two, the bronze labor. We were sanctified to serve, and we made this statement. Jesus didn't just save you from something. He sanctifies you for something. God wants you to be a part of serving. And, and, and the picture there in the, uh, in the tabernacle was the priest with the sacrifice. And first I must come to, to God through Jesus, the sacrifice. And the next step is I'm going to be cleansed or sanctified so that I can do what now? I can serve. Last week we looked at the table of showbread. And the table or the bread of presence, I think, is what it referenced there in your bulletin this morning. And we made this statement. Maybe the reason you're not hungry for the word is, is because you're feasting on the world. Maybe the reason you're not hungry for the word is because you're feasting on the world. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And the table of showbread, the 12 pieces of bread that were there in the presence of God, would represent the 12 uh, tribes of Israel. But they also, the representation, Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life. And because he's the bread of life, if you eat of me or partake of me, he said, you can have eternal life. All right, so Exodus 25, you should still be there, and look over to verse number 31. This morning we're going to be talking about the lampstand, or also here in the, that we may reference this as the menorah, but the lampstand. And so I uh, was just about to order one of these online this week, and I remembered that Michelle Reichman there probably has one in her house, and thank you for letting me borrow this. It's much cheaper than shipping one to me. And so let's read the description here of the lampstand. Verse 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 25, verse 31. Again, telling God giving instructions to Moses. He said, you shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, ornamental knobs, and flowers shall be of one piece. And the six branches shall come out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand out of one side, three branches of the lampstand out of the other side. Three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, one on each branch. On one branch, excuse me, with an ornamental knob and a flower, and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand, verse 34, on the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each, will its, each with its ornamental knob and flower. And there shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches that extend from the lampstand. Their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece. All of it shall be hammered piece of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange its lamps so they give light in front of it. And its wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. And see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Don't you love that how descriptive God is and what they're supposed, how this lampstand is supposed to look? And again, this one here, you can, you can see here, there's the, the one center pole here, and then there is the six or the three branches on each side of it. And so if you're filling notes in your bulletin this, this morning, number one here is to reveal the light of God. What's the purpose? 
What was the purpose of the lampstand? Number one, there in your bulletin, reveal the light of God. And so this lampstand that, that God had them build was 75 pounds of gold. That'd be a lot of money in today's uh, economy, wouldn't it? How many of you would you like to have 75 pounds of gold right now? Okay, that would be awesome. How many of you would tithe off that 75 pounds of gold? Yeah, sure you would. <clears throat> Hopefully you would. There's a, there's a mental picture here, even some symbolism in this, this poll. On your outline, if you're following, there's, when you, when you think of, so we're going to do a math real quick. How many of you really love math? How many of you really hate math? Okay, kindred spirits, all right? So there's three on this side and three on this side, and three plus three equals, you guys are so brilliant. On your outline there, what is six? Is the number of incompletion. It's also the number of man. Six represents the number of man or incompletion. Okay, now, these, these six branches, could they sustain themselves if they were not attached to this main center pole? Yes or no? No. The center pole then, let's we'll go back to math here. Three plus three is what? Plus one is, you guys are brilliant, brilliant. Seven now represents what? Completion or God. Jesus said he is the light of the world. He is the lampstand. And, and I think uh, imagery here, and I'm, not, I, I'm just going to give you my opinion because I didn't read this anywhere. It's just my opinion here this morning. That I think it's a great picture of when you have the six man in completion, you add the seventh here, represents God or deity. And who was fully God and who was fully man? Jesus was. But when you also look at this, it gives us the vivid picture of John chapter 15. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15? I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. So these, these three branches on either side could not sustain themselves. They would be of no value except that they are attached to what? The lampstand. Jesus. Now, when we think about who Jesus is and what Jesus claimed to be, and we think about even in the tabernacle, so they're in a tent, and so remember, tabernacle most often referenced the tent, okay? So that was when it was mobile, about 600 years. And not until Solomon built the temple, which the temple is the same as Solomon's as the tabernacle, other than the fact that temple would be a permanent structure. And when they went into the tabernacle, into the tent of meetings, was also another name, there wasn't windows in there. And so if you were in the, the tent, and there's no windows, if there's no windows, there's no what? Light. It's dark. Without the, the, the menorah or without the lampstand to, to light the way, there would be no worship could take place. No service of the priest could take place. They had to have what? Light. The lampstand. How many of you are scared of the dark? How many of you are not going to admit that you're scared of the dark? confession this morning. I, I, think, I think Tyler Martin got a little scared this morning. How many of you have ever been in a big room like this when it's completely dark? How many of you are now, you're, okay, I, I get scared when I'm big in a room, you're right, so. 
And he came in this morning and time changed a little darker than we normally comes in. I picture Tyler with his gun, like looking for everything, you know. Uh, a couple, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but a couple weeks ago, uh, we had a youth activity and uh, they were all begging me to play sardines. How many of you know what sardines is? Okay. Sardines is code word for I want to go make out. No, I'm, okay. <laughs> That's what it was when I was in high school. I don't, I don't know now. And uh, when we first started playing, it was still light outside. And so when you came into this room to hide, and all the light coming through the stained glass, it wasn't very dark in here. But the, the longer the evening went on, guess what happened in this room? It got really, really dark. Everybody close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes for a second. Dark, isn't it? Sometimes I think we forget what it's like to live in darkness. You can open your eyes, because if you, if you keep your eyes much longer, you're going to be asleep. So open your eyes back up. So I'm, I'm going to speak to us as church people for a second. I think sometimes we get so used to being in the light that we forget and forgot what it looks like or what it felt like to be in the dark. There's people all over your neighborhood, all over the community of this church, and they're living in in darkness. They don't know who Jesus is. Jesus is the light of the world, and if he's the light of the world, without him we cannot worship. We cannot serve. So turn me to John chapter number 9. John chapter 9. And as you turn there, I'm going to just give you a quick statement that will kind of lead us into answering point number 2 there, or giving you point number 2. And the statement is this. The lampstand revealed the light... Okay, so it revealed the light of God in the tabernacle. The, the lampstand revealed the light, but Jesus is the light revealed. Jesus himself is the light. So point number two there, which really probably figured out by now, Jesus is the light of the world revealed. Jesus is the light of the world revealed. And so you're in John chapter 9. We're going to start reading verse 1 in a second. But let me give you a little bit of context before we get to that passage of Scripture. So in John chapter 8, Jesus makes this statement as he's teaching. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of... What's the last word there? Life. So, so look at the screen here. It's on here, or maybe you have it in your Bible. Let's look up here, John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. All right, so again, Jesus is not talking about physical darkness, about having our eyes closed and wondering where we're at. He's talking about spiritual darkness, spiritual life. And he says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have what? The light of life. So in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, the priests would have referenced 
not only the tabernacle, but he would reference the tabernacle as the light of the world. He would also reference the menorah or the lampstand as the light of the world. And Jesus is saying what then? That's me. He's claiming his deity by this statement. I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you'll no longer walk in darkness, but you will have the light of what? Life. Eternal life. Referencing also John chapter 10, verse 10, not only eternal life, but abundant life. The very presence of God in me. I am the tabernacle, the temple. And, and so he, he teaches this, and so when you, you've, if you've read through the Testament and read through the life of Christ, you know that when, when Jesus referenced himself to be the Messiah, it didn't go well, right? The Pharisees didn't like it. The Pharisees didn't want to, to look at him and call him Messiah. They didn't believe it, and they didn't want anyone else to believe it. And, and so they have this you know, back and forth, and, and look at the end of John chapter 8. So in the end of John chapter 8, verse 57, 58, Jesus claimed that before Abraham was, and he uses two words, I am. And remember what God told Moses? Well, who should I tell Pharaoh that sent me? And what did God say? Tell them, I am. Again, he's referencing that he is God in the flesh. He is here. The Messiah is here. And again, look at, look at their response in verse 59. Then they took up stones to throw at him. They were going to kill Jesus right there in the temple. Why? Because he claimed he's the light of the world and the great I am. So he said, Jesus himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. And so he passed by. And so he, he flees the temple, right? So that they would not stone him. This is the context as he's made this statement in John 8, chapter number 12, I am the light of the world. And often in, in, in the rabbinical teaching here, what they would use as, uh, what we would maybe classify now as, as teaching moments. You guys have teaching moments with your kids, right? And, and so in, in this culture, so a lot of times when you see uh, or when you read some of the parables, and Jesus talks about the sower and the sower and the seed, and and it's very possible that they were out on a hillside or walking from one place to the other, and they see someone doing what? Sowing seeds. And so Jesus uses the imagery, what they see, to then now teach them a lesson. And, and so in John chapter 8, he makes the statement, I'm the light of the world. In John chapter 9, he's going to prove that he's the light of the world. Look in John chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And, and if you don't have that underlined, that phrase underlined in your Bible, I would encourage you to either highlight or underline it, circle it, blind from birth. Okay, and we'll, that's, that's of great importance. We'll get back to that in a minute. Verse 2, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So the Pharisees would teach in this period of time that if someone was born with a deformity, this man being that he was born blind, that either he sinned in the womb, which I'm not sure how you do that, but either he, he sinned in the womb or his parents must have some unconfessed sin in their life. And because of their unconfessed sin, then this man is born blind. So they ask him, so what was the sin? What's the great sin? 
Verse 3, what did Jesus say? Jesus answered, neither this man nor the parents sinned. The next phrase, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Well, what is he saying? He's saying, so this man has been born blind. How many years he's lived blind and, and all this pain and suffering and hurt. It's not because of sin necessarily. It is because God is going to use his story for his glory. And, and so is it possible this morning that, that what you're struggling with, the mess that you're in, that maybe God wants to use your mess for his message? Maybe he wants to use the test you're going through. We're talking about James uh, this week on Wednesday night and, and the trials and the testing. And maybe the trial and the testing is just so you'll have a testimony. And we have to understand that this man was born blind and God is saying, I'm going to use his story for my glory. Does God want to use your story? Can God use your story? Will you let God use your story? Verse number four. I must work that works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am what? I am the light of the world. I am the lampstand. I am the menorah. Verse 6, when he had said these things, he spit on the ground and made clay with the saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Could you imagine how different his life has become? His life consisted of, at this point, being an outcast of the temple because there's been sin in the family and that's why he's blind. So his life consisted of sitting in the temple and begging. We find in scripture that in this particular period of time when this takes place, it's on the Sabbath. It's also during the, one of the three pilgrimages to the, the holy city. And so there would have been people everywhere in the city at this point. And my guess is, is that this beggar, this blind man, who goes to the temple and he's thinking, today there's going to be a lot of people and I'm going to get more money than typical. Because there's going to be people everywhere. Does he get more than what he expected that day? Yeah. Sight. Continue reading verse number 8. Says, therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. I, I am the one you're talking about. It is me. This, this is, I, I was born blind and now I can see. Verse 10, therefore, they said to him, which it seems like a natural question, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Shalom and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Jesus changes everything, doesn't he? He changes everything. This man, born blind, sitting at the temple begging, it doesn't ever give us any context that he even knew who Jesus was. This man named Jesus 
And Jesus completely changed his life, didn't he? Let's keep reading. Verse 12, then they asked and said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. So at this point, could this blind man, could he point Jesus out in a lineup? He couldn't, could he? He's never seen him. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he's at. Verse 13. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees also asked him again how he received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and washed, and I see. How many times do I have to tell you? That's what I would have said. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. So they're trying to discount the miracle, right? They're trying to discount who Jesus is. When, when, they, when this blind man said, Jesus, that's all I know, this man named Jesus, did the Pharisees know who this blind man was talking about? They knew he was talking about. They knew what Jesus had claimed. They just heard him in chapter 8, verse 12, saying, I am the light of the world. They just, heard, they just tried to stone Jesus in the temple. The only reason Jesus walked out of the temple is because of these Pharisees who tried to stone him for saying, I am that I am. He doesn't keep the Sabbath, they said. And the truth is, Jesus never broke the law. He fulfilled the law. Now, the Pharisees had added all kinds of additional requirements and rules, but not the law, to what they were claiming Jesus was breaking. Others said, let's continue reading verse 16, How can a man who has sinned do such signs? So I want you to circle that phrase or underline it in your Bible. We'll get back to it. Do, how, the question, how can a man who is a sinner, so who are they talking about? Jesus. How can Jesus, who is a sinner, do such signs? And there was a division among them. Verse 17, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, and so the blind man says, like, I don't really know who he is. His name's Jesus. I guess he's a prophet. Verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him. And he said, that he had been blind and received the sight until they called his parents. So they really, they're trying to discount the miracle. Or what we just underlined, the signs. They didn't believe it, so they called the parents of him who had received sight. Verse 19, and they asked them, saying, Is this your son who they say, or who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered and said to them, we know that this is our son. Well, I'm glad they know that. We know this is our son, that he was born blind. So two declarative statements, right? Yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. Do you think the Pharisees wanted to hear those two statements? They didn't. Verse 19, or excuse me, verse 21 but by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. So you understand that they're trying to um, back away from the situation. Yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. He's old enough, let him speak for himself. Why do you suppose they're trying to back away from the situation? Look at the next verse. Verse 24. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. 
excuse me, let's go back to verse 22. I set it up on the T and then I skipped over it, right? His parents said these, the, said these things because they feared the Jews. So the reason they're backing out of this situation, the reason they don't want to answer is because they fear the Jews. Why do they fear the Jews? It says, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, if anyone would confess that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the light of the world, that Jesus is the great I am, if anyone would confess that Jesus is who he claims to be, what are they going to do? He would be put out of the synagogue. And in our culture, we, there is no way for us to really understand the depths uh, of shame this would put on a family. Not only shame, but the isolation. Life happened at the synagogue. Life happened in the temple. And if you couldn't go, if you were ostracized, you were an outcast. And so the parents don't want to give an answer because they know that what is, what, what have the Jews, the Pharisees have already, what's the new law that they have, this rule? If anyone claims and believes that Jesus is the Christ, casting them out. Verse 25, he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. The next phrase is pretty amazing. So they've asked him a question. Look at, look at verse 24. So they again called the man. The parents say, ask him if he's of age. And he says, so they're telling this man Give God the glory, because we know Jesus is a sinner. You can praise God, but don't align God and Jesus together. They're not the same. And that's his answer. Verse 25, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ this morning, that's your statement, isn't it? I once lived in darkness. I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And now I live in the light of God. That's his statement. I love the argument that, that continues. Then they said to him again, what did he say to you? How did he open your eyes? He's already told them, right? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? I love this question. Do you also want to become his disciples? Don't you think that made them so angry? I think that's why I love it so much. Then they reviled him. They said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, I guess they're from the south, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you not know where he is from, yet he's opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was what? Born blind. 
if this man were not from God, he could do what? Nothing. What did, what did Jesus say in John chapter 15? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this uneducated man who's been able to see for, what, 30 minutes, an hour, we don't know the timetable here, is teaching them theology. Do you think they liked the lesson they were getting? All I know is I was blind, and now I see. And it's never been, it's never in the history ever been that someone healed someone who was born blind. That has to be of God. They answered, verse 34, and said to him, you were completely born in sin. Okay, this is the most, the, the harshest way that they could claim that he was born in sin. What they're really calling him is an illegitimate child. Okay, and you know the word for an illegitimate child, right? That's what they're calling him. You were born completely in sin, and you're teaching us, and they what? They cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? So Jesus finds the blind man. This is the first time that the blind man has laid his eyes on Jesus and can actually see who he was. Don't you know when, when he heard that voice, he knew immediately who he's talking to. Do you believe in the Son of God? Jesus asked him, and he says, the man answers and said, Who is he? Lord, that I, may, that I may believe in him. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. He answered and said, or excuse me, verse 38, Then he said, Lord, I believe. The question each of us this morning in the room have to answer is, the same question. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe Jesus is the light of the world? Do you believe Jesus is the great I am? Do you believe Jesus is the only way? He is the way, the truth, and life. No one can get the Father except through Jesus. And when you stand before God one day, He's not going to ask you how often you went to church. Did you believe in Jesus? Verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, that those who do not see, see me may see, and those who see may be blind. Verse 40. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We therefore, your sin remains. So Jesus is using a blind man to teach a spiritual lesson on how to see God. What was keeping the Pharisees from seeing what was right in front of them? It was their own pride. You, you see, in order, to, in order to come to Jesus, in order to come to God, we must humble ourselves and say yes. So spiritually, Jesus, what he's trying to get 
the Pharisees to say is, yes, we are in spiritual blindness. We are in spiritual darkness. And what would they not admit to? Spiritual darkness. You see, in, in, in order to be saved, or maybe another way of saying that, in order to be found, you must first be what? Lost. And I must admit that before I met Jesus, I was spiritually blind. And at the age of 17, at Brownwood Youth Camp, I went from being spiritually blind to seeing Jesus. I believe. And everyone in, the, everyone in the room this morning has to answer that question. Do I, is there a moment in your life when, just like this man was asked, do you believe in the Lord? I, I don't know who he is. If I knew who he was, I would believe. And Jesus said, I'm right here in front of you. Do you believe that I am the Lord? Do you believe that I am God? Do you believe that I am the light of the world? Do you believe that I can bring you from spiritual darkness to spiritual light? And the man says, I believe. Do, do you believe? And I want to challenge you with three things at the end of this. It's not on your bulletin this morning. But I'm going to ask uh, Ben and, and Marty if they make their way up. And normally what happens when they start making their way up, you guys start zipping your Bibles and all that kind of stuff. So I don't want you to do that yet, all right? Don't, don't check out yet. But there's three challenges in this passage of Scripture that I think all of us can apply to our life this morning. The first is this. The question really is, do you believe in Jesus? Have you ever placed your faith in Jesus? Have you ever admitted that you're a sinner? That you cannot be good enough to get to heaven? That you can't be good enough to redeem yourself or to present yourself as holy before God? And the only way that you can get to God, the only way you can get to heaven, is that you place your faith in Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can forgive your sins. He's the only one that can restore your relationship with God. Have you believed? Number two, give God your mess. Give God your mess. Remember what the question was to begin the passage? Who sinned? Him or his parents? And what did God say? What did Jesus tell him? This mess will become my message. And, and there's some of you today I know that are in a mess. Some of them, you created your own mess, right? Some of them, the mess just is, it's just life. And you have an option this morning. God, use my mess. What, what did the guy say? So number three, tell your story. This guy's story is told all over the world. All I know is, I once was blind, and now I see. So the three miracles, I, I ask you to underline who could do such signs. In your bulletin, it talks about those three miracles. These are messianic miracles. 
And so you understand why, why, the disciple, or why these Pharisees were trying so hard to discount what Jesus would do. The three miracles that was prophesied that the Messiah would perform is this. He would heal a leper. Luke chapter 5, verse 12, if you want to write the reference there. Number two, this is again in your bulletin. He would cast out a demon from a person who could not speak. Matthew chapter 12. The third one, he would heal a man born blind. Do you believe that Jesus is who he said he was? Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? In a moment we're going to stand and we're going to continue in worship. And there's an opportunity for you this morning to respond. But I want to ask you real quickly, excuse me, this morning. Is anyone here this morning that would say, John, I've never placed my faith in Jesus. Right now, I am living in spiritual darkness. And like this man, God has revealed to me today, I, I know who he is now. I, I know that Jesus is the Savior. I know he's the Messiah. I know I must surrender my life to him. And, and, and if I repent of my sins, then I can have eternal life. I can have the light of the world. If somebody in here this morning would have the courage to say, John, that's me. God has revealed himself to me today, and, and I want to believe. I want to place my faith in Jesus. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you real quickly. Would you just put your hand up for a moment? Just put your hand up for a moment. John, I, I want to place my faith in Jesus. Just put your hand up. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. Anyone like that this morning, just admit I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Any, anyone else this morning? Just put your hand up for a moment. I want to challenge you this morning. Whether you raised your hand or you didn't. If you need to give your life to Jesus in a moment, we're going to stand. There's going to be people standing here and they're going to be facing you. And they would love to open up their Bible show you how you can have the light of the world. How many would say this morning, John, I need to surrender my mess to God. And acknowledge that he's in control. And I want him to use me for his glory. If that's you this morning and, you, and you'd like me to pray for you, would you just put your hand up this morning? Our eyes are closed. Anybody like that this morning? Just put your hand up. Several of us, wow. Just put your hand up. And, and I'm going to challenge you in a moment. We're going to stand. And if you can pray at your seat, there's something about walking forward and praying here at the altar. The last question then is, maybe God's challenged you this morning that you don't share your story would anyone say this morning John God has really challenged me that I need to tell my story would you just put your hand up for a moment just put your hand up I'm going to challenge you the same thing in a moment we're going to stand would you come talk to God about it if you, if you would like to pray with someone this morning, there's going to be people here standing at the front. 
They would love to pray with you. If you want to pray alone with God at the altar this morning, then, then just come and kneel and pray. We would love to pray for, for you or with you. If you would like to do that, then just seek one of us. God, we come to, to you today, Lord, and we are thankful for Jesus. We're thankful that he is the light of the world, Lord, that he came. And, and even as we looked at these three signs that he performed to prove that he was the Messiah, and, and Lord, I pray if there's someone in here this morning that has never given their life to you, that you would give them the courage and the boldness in a moment when we stand to walk forward and talk to one of us, that we could share the love of Christ with them. Lord, for those of us in here that are just, life is difficult right now, that we would acknowledge that you are there, you are with us, you care, you know. And God, you want to use our mess to be your message for your glory. God, for those of us who have not been faithful to share our story, may we do that this week. May we commit to tell the goodness of Jesus. May we not forget what it was like to be in darkness. May we share the light of the world. Would you stand with me this morning as we sing and as we worship together? It's just an opportunity for you this morning to respond, to worship.